0: Everybody wants to work, na-na-na, man Everybody's got to work,
1: I suppose I am. <laughs> is, that as, is that as ready as you get? That's as ready as I'll <laughs> get today. Very good. Welcome to Life of Brian. Dot, dot, dot. Mannix, that is, the podcast. Here is the star, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, giraffes and elephants, Brian Mannix.
2: Well, I thank you, Kevin, for those kind words of introduction. It's great to be here on this wonderful program once more. And I'm really looking forward to the treats we have in store for our listeners
1: today. Have you been to the Rex Harrison School of <laughs> Announcing or something, have you, in the last week?
2: <laughs> I think I'm still pissed from last <laughs> night. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the Johnny Walker School of Announcing. That's it. Fantastic. We've all been to, all been to that one. How's, how's life uh, in the uh, in the big wide world of our resident rock star?
2: Oh, great. I've got tickets for the um, at the MCC members for the grand final, so that's great. good. Yep, and, good. And um, I've been watching... I've been watching um, a series on Netflix called Untold and it's a whole lot of um, documentaries about um, different sporting people and I particularly liked one where they reckon this family is what The Sopranos was based on. Oh. And the guy buys his son, his 17-year-old son, an ice hockey team. As you do. And the the 17-year-old son is in charge of the hockey team. But they've got to be the dirtiest, filthiest players you've ever seen. It's really, really worthwhile. Was um, that was uh, terrific was that terrific uh, was it a Paul Newman film called Slapshot? Sla- well this kid that gets the thing he loved slapshot uh, yeah his, his idols were wrestlers at his 10th birthday party his dad got the rock and Triple H and uh, China and all these wrestlers to come to his 10th birthday party and then he buys him the hockey team and he likes he likes wrestlers and he likes amazing ducks and he likes um and slapshot and that's how he puts his team
1: together. Right. Well, what could possibly go wrong? Everything. <laughs> I was going to ask where the sporting theme was, but, yeah, when you go and buy an ice hockey team, which you can do in America, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's another one about um, the
2: biggest punch-on in basketball ever where the players were fighting the audience. And, oh, that's uh, that-
1: Ron Artiste. I remember that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I remember that. I haven't watched the doco, but I remember that basketball match really well because it was like, wow. Well, I don't
2: think they've ever shown all of the footage of it because they sort of brag that this is the first time you'll see the whole lot of it. Oh, okay. And, oh, my God, it's, yeah, very good series. How are you, Kev? You must be excited
1: I'm very thrilled. It is grand final week, uh, AFL grand final week uh, as we speak. And, yeah, my, my team's in, so, uh, yeah, I'm wrapped. But it's, it's kind of deja vu because in 2016 I couldn't get there because I was in hospital, but this time I can't get there because I'm in a different state. You want to so, come to the MCG with me? Oh, I've got a spare
2: ticket. I've got yeah. a spare ticket.
1: I couldn't get to the G in 2016, but I can now. Yeah, there's plenty of room. They've moved the game. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll win? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, God knows. I hope we do. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, I am actually am not not bodaciously confident, but I'm yeah. I'm confident that uh, that they'll do really well. I think we've played terrific footy this year. I think we're peaking at the right time. I think we've got a week off at the right time. So yeah, I think it, I think it's looking pretty good. It sounded pretty bodacious to me. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck to you. Yeah. Well, it's it's good. It'll look. If Melbourne break their 57 year drought, I can see that that will be a wonderful thing for a lot of people who followed that football club for a long, long time. And I know how I felt in 2016 when that 62 year uh, drought uh, was broken and we saw the Swans when they broke their drought. Um, So, yeah, I can understand all that. But from a purely selfish point of view, red, white and blue for me is what wins on Saturday night. Saturday night's going to be interesting too in Perth. It's Mm. going to be kind of eerie. I don't like the
2: um, Saturday night grand finals. I thought the one last year, it just sort of felt like just a night game. It didn't feel like a grand final to me. But everybody that was there reckons it was great.
1: I'm sure the players don't like it because I don't think the players would like to sit around all day and not do anything and then all of a sudden have to perform at 7 o'clock at night. So I'm sure they're not probably fans of it. Um, I I must say... You
2: give them too much time to worry.
1: Yeah, it does a bit, and and you get up at you know they're, they're young fit athletes. They wake up at they seven get up or eight o'clock 11, in the morning. 30, 12 o'clock. No, not like you, Brian. Right, sorry. <laughs> so they they sort of wake up early, and they're you know got a whole day to fill in, which is obviously an issue. Yeah, do you reckon you
2: think they could go down the, go down the pub and have a couple of bit calming <laughs> beers before the game? Yeah, Might be.
1: ch- chicken parmesan in a
2: couple of pots. Well, it works for me with the band. It might work for the players.
1: Yeah. Sort out. The, the fact that there was no football across the weekend, did, did that bother you? You sort of lose momentum for the grand final a little bit, I think. Really? Um, I think it'll pick
2: up this week. But um, And I'm so glad that we're still getting a public holiday for the grand final parade on Friday.
1: Oh, right. Isn't that stupid? I don't understand that at all, I, particularly given the times we're in at the moment where we don't know what day it is from one day to the next anyway. The kids are on school holidays anyway, so the the, the public holiday on Friday <laughs> makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. The As bloody it, restaurants and stuff are closed anyway, so it's not... Christ, we've been on public holiday for about 18 months. We've had 237 public holidays. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've it, got 14 more on top of that. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about uh, today's show with uh, thanks to our very good friends at Mercots. That's mercots.edu.au 1300 555 576. We uh, got two terrific guests for you today. We do indeed.
2: And, um, well, they've both been in quite a few bands, I guess, you could say.
1: Yeah. yeah. Dave Leeson, of course, the Screaming Jets, these days uh, frontman with the Angels. We'll talk to him about all those things uh, yep. across his uh, fabulous career as we head to the Adelaide Hills to talk to him. And our other guest is Lisa Edwards, who, of course, has been uh, a great singer in her own right, and we're going to play her version of I Am Woman later on in the program. But uh, mm. uh, she's uh, she's backed up as a backup singer, some of the best going around.
2: Uh, Farnham, of course. Yeah, Kylie. Um, Kylie. Kylie. Yep. She's she's done Kylie. She got one up on me. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, she's and she's also the godmother of my son. Been a long time family friend.
1: Yep, absolutely. So we got all that to look forward to, and of course, uh, the reason we're talking to Dave is the 30th anniversary re-release of their debut album, All for One, is happening on the 22nd of uh, October. So you'll be able to have a listen to a completely re-worked, re-worked versions of uh, that uh, original album. So we look forward to uh, talking to Dave about all that and more right here on Life of Brian dot 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 Mannix, that is. Mm. Hello, hello, Dave. It's Kevin Hillier. And when I push this magical little button here, it will also be oh. Brian Mannix as well. Hello, Dave. Sweet,
3: good Brian. How are you, mate? Oh, I've been listening to your manly voice. Sounds very good. <laughs> <laughs> How are you mate? Oh, not too bad. Trying to keep busy working on the farm. I like actually um, birthed a lamb the other day. Well, I didn't. I, I was, uh, sheep was in all sorts of distress. So I turned it around just to make it more comfortable and the landfill fell out of my shoes yeah. oh. with all the muck and all the carry-on. And um, anyway, the poor little thing didn't make it. it was uh, The mother was uh, in far too much trouble. So anyway. Oh, that's- I just
4: watched Clarkson's farm. And you know, Jimmy Clarkson, he's got this show where he's got a farm and he doesn't know what he's fucking doing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and he's got
4: 78 female sheep and they're Leon and Ron come in and his balls like potatoes. And yeah, right. They serviced all of the sheep. He had 120 sheep born in the space of two weeks or something. Yeah, right, right. Crazy stuff, but
3: yeah. Unreal. Yes.
4: Well,
1: Good evening. My name's Dr. It, Harry Cooper and I'm with the uh, well-known <laughs> vets, Dave Gleeson and Brian <laughs> Mannix. Oh. Animal <laughs> husbandry, who would have thought? <laughs> right.
4: And one of the things, the thing was one of the sheep had three Babies. And yeah, right. Had, she only had two breasts. So then they had to wait for one to have one baby, and then they got all the muck that the, that come out with that baby, covered this new baby and all of that. Right, right. And tied its legs together so that the mother would think she'd given two and adopted, which, which works. But... Um,
3: Great. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, Dave, you may have picked
1: up that Brian hasn't done a lot of gigs lately. Being new, with COVID, he's been watching a lot of television.
3: <laughs> well, no, that's that's all we've been doing. I think there's more musos sitting around watching television than ever before, and that's that's saying something. Well, this
4: is, the, this is the thing: a one-week lockdown for a state is a six-week lockdown for us. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, it's only one week. No, it's not. Not for a musician, it's not, because pubs aren't, you know, they don't have capacity, they're too scared to book a band in case they get shut down again. So this one-week lockdown, that's bullshit for us. It's it's at least six, I reckon.
3: Yeah, that's right. And and the thing is, like, people go, oh, well, it's opened up again. You can you can do shows next week. It's like, yeah, but we can't, because that's not how it works either. We've got to do stuff months in advance, because uh, – you know, yeah. you gotta have all that stuff on you know, especially, you know, when bands have got people in different states and stuff like that. So, um yeah, no, it's just a, it's been an absolute, it's been an absolute nightmare and it's uh you know, I am I'm, I'm not holding out much hope that it's gonna change any time too soon, but um you just gotta keep you you, you keep going, haven't you, Brian? I mean that's the thing, when it does open up then we'll be on fire because no-one's coming from overseas. <laughs> I wouldn't be getting on a plane and flying around the other side of the world for love or money anymore. Yeah. No. So at least Australian bands are going to be running the joint.
4: Well, I hope so because it's, um, I, I don't know, how much how much work have you had cancelled
3: or postponed? Oh, oh, absolutely. I reckon in a monetary figure, I reckon over 150 grand's worth of, in the last 14 months. So.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um I said well I only made, you
3: know, twenty five grand, but um you know, but apart from that <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and it just flows across everything, don't it? and that's the thing. I, a friend of mine was um he's a comedian. I well, he yeah. <laughs> he's a comedian. I don't think he's that funny. <laughs> um, and he said well what happens is if there's a drought, a famine, a fire, a flood, oh. a crash, or then musos and entertainers all across the country just stick their hand up instantly yeah. and say we'll do it for nothing, and and obviously we have a great time. I mean every every yeah. um, all those things you have a ball, you don't you? You just have such a yeah. great time hanging out, but you do give of your time and you're part of the reason that people send in money and all that stuff. But who's doing a, a telephone for the uh, for the musos and the artists? That's nuts. No, no one,
4: and and I just don't think anybody. In politics understands the industry at all, Mm. and that's why, you know, as I say, you know, they don't understand that a one-week lockdown is a six-week lockdown for us, or maybe more. Um, Mm,
3: Yeah.
4: And the amount of money that I have not earned, it's just giving me the shits, and I think that, you know, we've had three people die of COVID this year in Australia. Well, give me the figures for how many people have committed suicide.
3: Yeah, yeah, well, and that's sort right. of mental
4: illness, you know. I think, I think lockdowns
3: are probably losing more lives than they're saving at the moment. Because yeah, people have had a gap full. It'd be interesting to see. And the, and the other thing is, I mean, we're lucky enough that we have a have a profile that we've uh, built up over all these years. Yeah. But there's a bunch of people, one of my analogies is, you you know when you make up excuses for why you didn't get as far as you probably should have or that you think you should have? (laughs) I always say to people, not everyone gets to play first grade, but the the footy parks and the ovals are full of people playing footy on the weekends because they love it and they they do it. And the same goes, not everyone has a, a chart hit or whatever, but I know guys who've been in the music industry for 25, 30 years They've yeah. never had a song on the radio. Never had any um, kind of uh, bigger ideals into playing cover bands. They've played off houses. They put their kids through school. They pay taxes, and I mean, they're the ones who, who eventually, I think you think you're just going to say, well, I can't, I can't keep this, uh, you know, the dream alive anymore, and yeah. um, you know, we're going to lose all these people of to, to getting a real job. I mean, I started working at a vineyard recently, putting labels on bottles. Which oh, all right. Well, it's all well and good until your song comes on the radio and you're listening <laughs> to Yeah, I know. How did I end up here?
4: Oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh me <laughs> old man was right. Had something to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, that's what my
4: old man said too. Yeah. <laughs> we all have those moments where you
3: go, "How the hell did I end up here?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the quote that Liam Neeson says. I have a very particular set of scru- skills. I do too, and they're worth stuff all when you can't use them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dude. So what
4: are you doing? You're doing something with a swimming just re-recording your first album.
3: Yeah, yeah, we um we we did that over the last six months or so in the isolation thing. We did it. Uh, actually, Paulie, Scotty, and Jimmy all live in Victoria, so they got to record the guitars and bass together. But yeah, because we I'd be stuffed if I know where the masters to the original album are. So it wasn't a, a, a thing of whether we could remaster it or not. So we just thought we'd uh, we'd re-record it, and um, you know, a, a few of the songs have changed over the years because of. Playing them live and stuff like that, so um, you know the, the kind of there was a few different changes and that it was great fun.
4: Wow, who who mixed it for you? Because Scotty Simmons is a, a bit of a gun with the uh, in the studio, but um, he is a gun.
3: Yeah, he's um, he recorded uh, all the all the guitars and stuff down yeah. in Melbourne and sent them off. But Steve James, who was actually the producer on the original album. Oh, cool. uh, he uh, he got he's been involved over the last couple of albums that we've released, so uh, he was more than keen to get involved, and he he kind of produced it and mixed it all up there in Queensland. So yeah, it's uh, we're very we're stoked with the outcome, but um, it's not as much fun. Let's face it, the fun that you have in a studio with five blokes rocking on is uh, you can't replicate that doing them in your lounge room, doing vocals in your lounge room with a couple of screens up around you. Not quite the same, but um,
4: (laughs) so have you played the the new one compared to the next one? You sort of played them
0: back
3: to back or that's not a good thing to do or what? No, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to play them um, as as the album track listing goes Um, because we never did that before. But um, I, I think, you know, you spend so much time, you know, sitting around and talking about track lists and, you know, to, to whatever avail that is. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it'd be nice to just get out there. We'll do that whole album and then, you know, just throw in, a, you know, eight or ten other songs that people know off the, the other albums. So, yeah, I can't wait. It'll be good fun. We, there's a couple of songs I don't reckon we ever played live back in the day or might have done them at the album launch or something like that. So, be fun to, uh, get out and give them a crack. You've got to be careful with
4: that. I know with the X Men, we did, um, in a tour, we played yeah, Cos Life Hurts in its entirety. Yeah, yeah, unreal. <laughs> and there was, there was a couple of songs on that that we rarely played live. And then we played them live, and I went, ah, I know why we didn't play them live. <laughs> 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 they, were, they were a good song to listen to when you're at home. Yeah, right, yeah. At, at a pub, nah, this song doesn't work live. You know, some <laughs> songs work live, and some songs are good for listening to. And so, yeah, I. I'm always a bit wary of that now because I go, ah, we tried it and, that's yeah, anyway.
3: Well, that's well, the thing, nothing's set said, said in stone. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes for the first yeah. few. And
4: you, you might find after three gigs you go, you know that song that we never used to play? There's a reason <laughs> for that. That's why. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> song, but it just doesn't work live. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dave, but, has, the, think- has the
1: album travelled well for you in 30 years, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I was I was
3: really stoked with it. There was, um, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, probably uh, at least half a dozen of the songs have made it uh, all through the years, being played um, played in the set. Um, but yeah, there, there's there, the, the last song on the album, which is, you know, as we we're just talking about, um, was probably the last song on the album for a reason. But we gave it a, a bit of a touch up, and at the end of it, I was uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised with that kind of. Fresh it sounded. Oh, that's good.
4: Yeah. I'm happy with that answer. I think that's good. <laughs> Sorry. I just got out of bed and I still aren't so please forgive me. <laughs>
3: well,
4: you know, there's COVID, there's nothing else to do. You go, Oh, well, about twelve thirty I suppose I'll have a beer. All right.
3: Yeah, well that's right. I try and I try and stay off until until I start cooking dinner for the kids. <laughs> yeah, good, man. good good work. <laughs> So, you're in Adelaide, yeah? Yeah. So, you married an Adelaide girl? I did. I married an Adelaide girl, and um, she was living over in Sydney when I met her there, and then we we had our first kid. We were still living in in Sydney up until 2004, then we had our first kid, and we moved down to to her family enclave, property, estate, whatever it is. Uh, Compound, compound. Um, I
4: think everybody finds their wife in Adelaide, and... um, I was talking to um, Kev just before we, yeah. we, you yeah. came on the line and, <laughs> and we've decided that South Australia's number plate should be, South Australia, if you can't get a route, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, oh, if, you say, if you can't get a route in Adelaide, <laughs> then give it away. It's, <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot of really nice girls in Adelaide and um, uh. you're obviously well aware of that. So, okay.
3: Absolutely. But I mean, I always, there was that movie that came out. I know, I guess Gina Davis, I think, was in it, and it was uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. And we always said, we always said, Perth Girls Are Easy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, once the female listeners love this?
5: It's
4: going so well.
1: Really form as the as the Screaming Jets was it back in eighty nine was that when it started? Yeah yeah eighty nine we kind
3: of uh, we myself and Grant Walms, who we uh, we'd just finished a, a cover band we'd been in for three or four years and uh, Paul Wazeen had been in another uh, fairly successful cover Newcastle band um, and yeah we we just put a band together and said let's uh, let's make our own songs and. Um, and have a real crack, you know. So it was, uh, we'd done heaps of years of, of you know, playing around the pubs and clubs. And uh, my first band aspect, we bought our own PA and our own truck. And we'd just, if we weren't playing, we'd hire it out to other people. Um, so we had all that kind of, you know, we'd done a lot of our, our apprenticeship, I guess, by that stage. And uh, 1989, we just decided to have a real crack. We ended up on a, a Battle of the Bands, a Triple J Battle of the Bands that was a national one. Yeah, and we won that in 1990 and uh, or maybe the end of 89 and got a kind of... That was what got, what got us into the studio with Steve James the very first time. And that was when we were in the studio and I walk out of a session and I look at the telly, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and Sid James is on the telly, right? I'll go, I'll go, back, I'll go back into the studio, i go... Are you fucking Sid James's son. <laughs> 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 Steve, goes, Steve goes. Yeah, I am. I'm like fuck. No, I'm going because we had no idea at the time. We just knew he was a an Englishman, and um, oh, yeah, he, he looked,
4: really was Sid James.
3: Son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks exactly. He looks. He, he looks very much like him. He has very much. Uh, he, he's got uh, the same laugh and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was it. That was at Sun Studios in. Uh, Kipax Street in Sydney, which uh, Thorpey ended up buying and turning into his studio for many years.
4: Did you get the name for the band from the Johnny Warman song?
3: Exactly where we got it from.
4: Right, because we were arguing about this song on another show the other day. and I love that song. I was going to say, Kev thinks it's a pile of rubbish. I thought it was a pile of shit. (laughs) It's a a poor man's (laughs) show, you reckon? Yeah.
3: Well, what happened was we were outside a rehearsal studio and um, we'd all been trying to think up names. We had a gig in three weeks, and I was just singing it. We are having a cigarette out cigarette the front and a discussion about the names, and I'm just, I heard the Screaming Jets, you know, just banging on like I usually do. Yeah. And Brad, our drummer, uh, he said, what about that for a name? And, and we were like, Screaming Jets, yeah, Screaming And that's it. Without a word of a lie, I looked down on the ground. We're at the front of a place called the Jolly Roger. You remember that place, Brian, in Newcastle, the JR? I just wondered, I'm just lucky you didn't call the band the Jolly Roger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I looked down, and there on the ground was a wrapped-up piece of foil with a $50 block of hash in it. And we oh, right, <laughs> that is a sign.
4: and um, So that's why you called the band $50 block of hash. <laughs>
3: But in the, end, in the beginning, because we were rebels, we, we had no G on the screening and uh, no V. No V, no G. We were kind of screaming jets. But then they clasped us up a bit when we got a record label, a record deal with Ruaq. Ah, oh. there
1: you go the, the, I mean, you built you built the reputation of the band on, on playing live, didn't you? It was that that old uh, sort of 80s uh, move into the 90s thing Where the bands like the Angels and that All all got their chops by playing live And, and you guys did that too
3: Yeah, absolutely We were lucky to support the Angels on our, our first big national tour um, But we supported the choir boys And uh, they were always unreal to us the Radiators, oh, uh, love the, the Reds. Yeah. And so we just had all, all this great grounding with the bands that we, we actually knew and loved. But they also, uh, we were able to tap into their crowds, you know. And they've, uh, that loyalty's kind of stuck through all that, all that pub rock loyalty that, uh, that was kind of built up through the 80s. That's why, you know, guys can still tour. That's why the Angels are still on tour when, uh, when things are normal. So, um, it's, uh, it was just a great thing that we were, we just got there in time.
4: It must be a real thrill to sing with the Angels, you know, because I mean, I'm a big Angels fan, and you know, to get up there and say, right, oh, you're filling in for Doc, off you go. That <laughs> um, must have been a bit daunting at first.
3: Yeah, yeah, mate. We um, it was um, very daunting. I, I've been an Angels fan all my life. My older brother was a uh, was a mad Angels fan, so. I, I kind of know Angel songs in me DNA than Jet songs, really, because they've been with me since I was 10 years old, you know. The the fact that uh, John and Rick asked me to come and play was a huge a huge honour in the first place, but the fact that after 10 years we've been able to build it up to, to a really great level where we're doing the big festivals and uh, I've recorded a bunch of albums with them, so, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't have in my wildest imagination thought that I'd ever be uh, front the Angel's
4: well it's a, it's really big shoes to fill and i think you do a really really good job because you kind of sound like doc but you're a bit more melodic than doc so you still got your own slant on it but it's not so different from from what the angels did it's sort of still in line with what they're doing with like, with perhaps drag and it's like a totally different thing
3: yeah yeah no yeah I see but,
4: it but, that. but it's pretty it's pretty faithful to the thing but you're not doing an impersonation of doc. You're doing your own thing with it, and it and it really, really works. So, congratulations on that!
3: Oh, cheers, mate. Yeah, that, yeah.
4: Because that it could have been a disaster, and it could, it could. You, it was, uh, you, you, but, stick, you stick Marty Rohn at the front of the Angels, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> you know, but it's Adam Ant at the front of the You know, get Rod Kirkham from Young Callispeg. Stick him in the Angels. It <laughs> isn't going to work.
3: There's <laughs> been a couple of times where they've told me to uh, maybe pull back on the Dave Gleason from the Screaming Jets type stuff when I've... Uh, when I've got on the piss a bit and I start mouthing off.
0: <laughs>
3: oh, wow.
4: It's rock and roll. You're supposed to do that. Yeah,
3: that's right.
4: We were, we were talking to Chuggy the other day and he reckons that Richard Clapton was doing some gig and everybody was abusing him. And so Chuggy taught him his stagecraft by leaning over and telling him to tell the crowd to get fucked. So, <laughs> so he did he told the crowd to get fucked and he's had control of the crowd ever since. So got him
3: back. <laughs> got him back. <laughs>
4: so are you doing your stuff with the angels?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well we um we re recorded uh face to face and no exit. Uh, for the 40th anniversary editions. And then last year we were supposed to – or earlier this year we were supposed to be doing the Dark Room Tour because that came out in yeah. oh, 81, yeah. I think. So, um, yeah, that's that's been a really good exercise. I kind of – well, I, I guess I stole the idea to do ours, uh, redo the Jets album from them because, um, you know, it's just a, a really good document of where the band is, the bunch of blokes that you're playing with. So, yeah, we'll have uh, – Mate, they're, they're those boys are always working, John and Ruth. They uh, They can't wait to get out and do it again.
4: You got can't a favourite, Angel? An- oh, oh, come on. Go on, James. Off you <laughs> I
1: was just going to say, is there one that you like doing more than any other with the Angels? Is there a favourite? Um. Oh, yeah, there's a few. I mean, Skid Row After Dark,
3: which has uh, got the, the line, she pleaded guilty to a charge of perverse delight. Trying to control the childhood dream that haunts us through the night. I just love singing that because I rub myself up and get a bit saucy on it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Be With You is another classic. I mean, yeah, I I love that. Yeah, the fact that it wasn't a single or nothing, but everyone just, uh, you know, it could well have been one of their their big hits, you know, the way that the the crowd reacts to it. Yeah,
4: I love that. So, actually, do you do any songs off their first album, the one before
3: Face to Face? Uh, we did we did a couple, um, when I first started.
4: I woke up this morning with shelter from the rain in my head.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we
4: sit on the well, labor standing behind.
3: The and it's on a, there, yeah going a movie. Yeah, um, that one, yeah, that's a beauty. Well, John and Rick get up and do that usually um between show and encore. But I actually when I first started a band I was a bit of a smart being a smart ass. I said to uh, I said to John, "What's this? What have you got against this chick, Lorraine?" He goes, "Lorraine, we go, you got after Lorraine, you got shelter from Lorraine. Who is this Lorraine chick?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very, oh, very good. good.
1: Um, I, want, uh, I want to ask you about the uh, the the Jets cover album, cover version album that you did. Uh, what was that twenty eighteen or thereabouts? Yes, yes. I've seen it described as a love letter to Australian rock and roll, and I reckon that's the perfect description of what it was. Was that was that you guys just sitting and picking the songs that you grew up listening to that you loved other people doing and you just wanted to have a crack at them?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, every song on there means something to someone in the band. Or, you know, the, the, the fact that we were able to, to narrow it down was one of the big uh, exercises we had to do when we were doing that because, you know, I wanted to do a double album, and it was uh, oh, it was kind yeah. of a labour of love anyway. But um, so we, we made it a single album. But uh, mate, I could do ten of those albums because I uh, I reckon Aussie music and Aussie rock is probably underrated as far as punching above its weight around the world. Yep. Yeah,
4: yeah I think your long. version of everybody
3: wants to work on that album was is terrific. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> and the, what is it? the girls, are, the men are all wolves, and the girls are all dogs. On oh, <laughs> <love laughs> right the back, of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, no, that's, of
4: all of that, the things to hang shit on me about. That was the one that people should have nailed me on. <laughs> uh, that,
3: they let that go and pick on other shit that I did. Yeah. <laughs> the girls who are dogs <laughs> and the men who are wasps. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, uh, I love it. I'm, but I, I love the, the, the Aussie turn and phrase him. You know, you've got Bron Scott um, um, and yeah. the way that there's a conversational kind of aspect to the great Aussie pub rock is uh, is what, what speaks to me, I reckon, is... Uh, as far as what, why it's kind of so indelibly imprinted in his soul. Well, one of the things that um, me and Kevin have noticed over the, the years
4: is that in the 70s, a lot of songs are about the bloke who's just come out of jail or he's been locked up for 30 days in the county yeah, yeah. jail or whatever, <laughs> and then he no sooner gets out and then he wants to, he say, you'll call me up when you get out of school. And these guys, they get out of jail. They get straight to the 15- or 16-year-old. That's probably what got them in jail in the first place. No, no. <laughs> no, <lose> nothing. so <laughs> many <There's laughs>
3: songs know. from
4: the 70s about 15-year-old girls in jail.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I'll go and write a song about a 16-year-old girl in jail. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll
4: rip off uh, April Sun in Cuba, riff and uh, put a bit of Bad Boy for Love in there and um, perhaps a bit of jailbreak. break no,
1: i up, Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> hey, Dave, can you tell me the story about the uh, the Impulse uh, Airlines incident that I've seen mentioned in a couple of dispatches oh, when I was reading about this? Because we we talk we we like to have a kind of air, developing an airplane theme here with you know incidents on airplanes with rock stars and bands, and you had yours well, with Impulse. Funnily enough,
3: it's coming up to the twentieth anniversary of that very date. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, we we played a gig on the Gold Coast, uh, stayed around drinking after it. Finally, got back to the hotel at uh, Brisbane at about three o'clock in the morning. If you
4: can't to get a gig at the
3: Gold Coast, you may as well give it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well then we, then we had to go up to we had to fly out of Brisbane. Uh, at, we had to go to the airport at five thirty or something. So we decided being responsible adults, that we'd stay up so we didn't sleep in and miss the alarm. Yeah. Um, and then we got to the airport and it was all hoopla going on. And like, what's going on here? Um bloke comes up and goes, oh, Mr Gleeson, um, I see you on the first Impulse Airlines flight from Brisbane to, to Newcastle or Sydney, wherever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's unreal. Good to see you. Newcastle businessman giving it to the airlines, et etc." et cetera. Got on the plane I had two bottles of crown in my pockets Open They're just filling All down my legs And then I get to my suit And they come And take the beers off me And Easy Air guitarist Goes don't worry about that Pulls a bottle of Jack Out of his bag oh. Um So neck necking that And we're singing Puff the Magic Dragon And and uh, the Love Boat, which was one of our go-to classics when we, we'd we be on a plane. <laughs> um, and then they said, we're going to turn the plane around. Next thing you know, we're getting marched up the uh, gangway and taken off the plane. Oh, right. So, right. But I mean, the best one, the best part about it was, um, and I've had this told to me more than now, I remember it. We were sitting back here in the uh, the Virgin Lounge waiting for to get in trouble. And old mate comes in, and he goes, "Right, this Scottish bloke." And I go, "Sir, sir." I this, I kind of remember it like this. I said to him, "Sir, uh, look, we've been in, involved in stuff like this before. We never take it to the nth degree. We try not to discomfort other passengers, you know. And we're quite happy to, you know, take any sanctions. But you know, can, can we just, you know, call it off and that?" And he goes, "Not today, meaty." I said, "Well, I hope you fucking die then, yet <laughs> oh, the very next words out of me, man. Out of me, man. I hope you fucking die. Anyway. Uh, this,
4: this, is, this is Impulse's first flight, was
3: it? Yeah, yeah. First uh, flight ever. So
4: they've interviewed you before, and oh, it's exciting. Yeah, it's great for Newcastle people. Then you got off the plane and got thrown off.
3: Fantastic. <laughs> uh, oh, brilliant. Crazy. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway But uh, All's Well all, Even um, Peter Humphrey uh, Was talking about it <laughs> ah,
4: Four balls
3: <laughs> Yeah yeah Four balls Loved it Four balls Harvey <laughs> I can't wait to see you On the road right, On the road Brian Yes We'll we'll
4: um, Get on a plane And get some Jack Daniels into it
3: <laughs> Good on you Dave uh, 53 now Alright See you guys Thanks mate dude.
6: I got miles and miles of miles to go. It's another lonely night.
1: That album, that uh, new uh, version of the album is out on October 22 and they will be touring, uh, well, whenever you can tour, they will have that uh, and be out and about. So look forward to that. And, of course, Dave will be out fronting the Angels when he gets a chance as well.
2: Yeah, all for one. Do you remember um, Sting and Brian Adams and was it Rod Stewart? You have to soil the moment. Wow, that was a bad song, wasn't it?
1: It was a terrible that song. That was a stinker. Okay. Murcotts.edu.au. You don't need a list for them. You just need a phone number 1300 555 576. Do yourself uh, a big favour. Do everyone a big favour and, uh, and go and uh, talk to the people at Murcotts about uh, driver education, about uh, some retraining, about uh, basically getting your skills up to uh, where they should be because uh, no matter... What sort of a driver you actually think you are? You're probably not as good as you think you are.
2: Yeah, my area's got heaps and heaps of L plate drivers driving around because I think it's now a testing area. All oh, right. A- and I tell you what, I see a lot of these learners going very, very slowly, and I'm thinking, get down to Murcotts. Once you get your license, or even beforehand, go down there and get a bit more experience because gee some of them look a little bit uh, bit wonky. Bit wonky? Bit wonky,
1: Kev. Wonky is Murcott's absolute specialty. They are right. the masters of
2: de-wonkifying you, Brian. one three hundred triple five five seven six.
1: That's the one. No. All right, let's get to our next guest, uh, which is uh, Lisa Edwards. We're going to talk to her about her terrific album. I'm going to play a track from it too. The album's called I'm Still the Woman. Let's find out how it all got put together. Okay.
5: The new album was recorded during lockdown, is that right? Oh, uh, it's been happening for a couple of years. You know, at, at first, um, and I say a couple of years, <laughs> albeit last year, um, you know, we were, I was running to to Michael's studio because um, I co-produced the album with Michael Cristiano and we wrote nine of the songs that are on the album, uh, which is called I'm Still the Woman. At first, we were we were going to sort of record an album of songs that we did live because people kept coming up and saying, "Oh, you know, when you bring another album out," and, yeah. and we thought we'd do that. And then, then in the end, we decided to write some songs and put one, you know, familiar song on there, which is the classic Helen Reddy song, uh, which is revamped, of course, and. Um, but that took, you know, a couple of years. And in the end, we weren't in a hurry to do it. You know, we we sort of had a plan to work, work towards a certain date. And then, you know, we'd go past that. And yeah. we thought, no, we're not in a hurry. Um, we had a lot of fun doing it. It was layer upon layer upon layer of tracks. You know, we'd do a song over a week. I would do my vocals or the backing vocals probably in one day because harmony is is my passion, you know. That was... Yeah. That's always been my passion. So I loved it. You know, it opened a Pandora's box for me, actually, because I'd, I'd love to get back into producing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, then, well mm-hmm. I noticed there's a lot of
4: percussion on it, which I really like. Yeah. And I just well, – there's not many people know that you're a really, really, really good drummer. And <laughs> I, was, I, wouldn't, I, wondered, I wouldn't have put – I wouldn't have put the third really in. <laughs> oh, I think you, I think you're a really, really, really good drummer. Um, did you play? Did you play any percussion yourself on it, or did
5: you really yeah, I did. Delightful? Yeah, okay. No, I did, but not drums. <laughs> no, what, what but, sort of percussion did you play? All the you know shakers and tambourine things, and yeah. I played a couple of strings, you know, some keyboard yeah. stuff. I love percussion. I love rhythm. I'm one of these people that I see something and I go, I'd love to do that. I haven't been, I wasn't taught to play drums. I've always played air drums, watching Angus with John. Yeah, right. (laughs) And, and, um, yeah, and I'd get up and play, you know, long way to the top at, you know, gigs when somebody was playing it and stuff like that. And Bobby, Bob Sarky, when he saw me playing drums many years ago, um, too long way to the top, and he turned around and went, "Oh my God, you're doing that!" And he came up to me and, and he said, um, "I'm going to book you for a gig one day." And I went, "Yeah, yeah, sure, sure." You know, he said, "No, I'm serious. I've got a gig coming up." I said, "Oh, okay." And he said, "No, we're going to shake on it." So and we did, and I thought, well, "I'll never hear anything again." Anyway, a few months later he rang me up and he booked me to this gig with his band. It was to be at the it was at the Saint Kilda Bowls Club and he said, Oh, Angus Birchall, who was playing drums for that band at the time, he had he was booked to go to Sydney. And I went, Well, I don't have a drum kit so that I thought, Oh, that's got me out of it And he went, No and Angus said, oh, I've got a spare drum kit no. <laughs> I'll to. Anyway, the day came. And I, I got it together. I, I was so nervous, and I went off to the gig, and I thought, oh, gee, I feel like I've forgotten something. <laughs> and I left the drum kit back at home. Yay. So I, I, went, I went back home, got the drum kit in the car, and um, thank God I'm not a drummer. You know, like all the instruments that you have to pack in your car and yeah. do all of that, I just have to bring my voice with me, and that's it. But I got in the car set up on stage, and there were 11 drummers in the audience that had come to check it out. (laughs) But it made me cross that line, you know, and it was a challenge, and I found that when I didn't think about it, I was okay, you know, it flowed, so... (laughs)
4: And everybody said
1: you're a really, really, really good
5: drummer.
1: Thank you, Brian. <laughs> I want to go back if we can, Lise. Can we go back to yes? your, your principal in primary school who wrote a letter about you being in undesirable places? Oh my goodness! So. <laughs> so That's- So, so you started off in undesirable places, and you're still in them now. I'm I'm still trying to figure
5: out what those undesirable places were, (laughs) because um, it was in 1964 that um, that little uh, letter was written to my mother by the head principal. Oh God, it was funny. I'm, I'm thinking, what was so undesirable at the age of five? I think, yeah, it was five at the time. You know, it only took five minutes to get from you know, primary school or whatever to home, I was such a goody-goody too. shoes Yeah, well, then.
1: that's, why, <laughs> that's why it caught my because I thought, no, no, Lisa's, Lisa's not that. T-
5: I actually fr- oh, I framed it so he can you hear me I'm tipping things out over the floor now. Yes. Oh, thought you're I just had- drunk and falling <laughs> over. Oh, no, no, not, not today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the, the other thing from your youth I wanted to bring up was your sporting prowess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
5: You were, I love you were
1: quite the sports person. I mean, you represented Victoria at lacrosse, which is, you know, no mean yes. feat. South Australia, wasn't it?
5: And South, and South Australia. Oh, okay. I started in South Australia playing lacrosse, but lacrosse was played right across my family, you know, generations in my family, um, starting with my grandfather. And they look like gangsters. I've got photos of them sitting down in front of this... Amazing, this car and, and holding their wooden sticks at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I, I loved it, but I've, I've always been a bit of a sports fanatic. We all, my, the Edwards family all have. And uh, whether it's swimming and tennis, I played comp tennis and comp squash and uh, softball. <laughs> and But lacrosse is my other passion. And I played for uh, Brighton in Adelaide. And then I was was, um, selected for the South Australian team on numerous occasions. And I played um, against Victoria, and many of the girls in the Victorian team, state team played for Newport and Williamstown and all, all over, but when I moved to Melbourne, I I had you know made friends with all these girls. And they said, "Come and join us! Come and join us you know, our club." So I um, joined Newport Club in um, Melbourne when I arrived many years ago in Melbourne, and played for Newport and was selected to the Victorian team. I love it. It was it's my other passion, and and it kept me in good stead for many years. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting. To, it's starting to um, unwind a bit now. <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I can vouch, Kev, that she's also one hell of a fast bowler.
5: Um, oh, oh yes. Yeah. We were playing
4: cricket one night, <laughs> and I couldn't believe how fast Lisa could bowl the ball. It was it was <laughs> exciting. It was only a tennis ball, but it was still scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's unusual, actually, because most families, they're either into sport or they're into music, but not really yeah. both.
5: And you're, you're kind you. of the exception to the rule. Uh, we've, I've always sort of been a jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. But I just love trying things, you know, and uh, I've always been a bit like that. Crystal meth's <laughs> an exception to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I It's something you say. don't need to try. <laughs> I knew you were going to come up with something. <laughs> <after>
4: that. <laughs> well, <laughs> people are- from yes, me. they do. Come on, Kev, give us a sensible question. <laughs> well, I've got one.
1: You, you mentioned you mentioned harmony was your passion. Harmony was also the name of a group that you were in in the early days. It was, and, and, you, done and you were in your And you, well, and this is—I don't know if you'll know the answer to this question. You were on New hmm. Faces, and you made the grand final, and you finished second. Yes. I want to know who beat you.
5: I know, and I can see her face, but I can't think of her name. Okay, a Belinda. An Asian lady, she was gorgeous. But they were great days and um, harmony. And um, we we started at school. I, you know, I've been trying to think. I've been trying to find the album actually, because <laughs> there was an album that was recorded of that violin, that grand final. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, and I can't remember. And we sound like Chipmunks because I remember playing it when when I (laughs) first got it. We sound like chipmunks. But yeah, harmony has been my passion. And ever since I loved music um, and and singing songs, I would never sing the melody. I would always sing a harmony. And it just came naturally to me. I think growing up, the genre of music, um, well, especially the genre of music that I would listen to at home because my father was a jazz pianist and my mum loved to sing so I grew up with Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Billy Holiday, Louis Armstrong, you know, and the, yeah, the Rat well. Pack, all those. But then I'm, I'm the youngest of four siblings. So I had Chicago and, you know, all the sort of rock and roll. And But I, my genre is real soul and being and b Motown.
1: Is that where the funky version of I Am Woman came from, from that kind of genre? Um,
5: I just wanted to funk it up a little bit. I just the, the the original version was a bit too straight and laid back a bit for me. And so we funked it up. And uh, when we did it live, we wanted to put a song on the album that, you know, people were sort of familiar and uh, they'd never really heard a version like this of I Am um, Woman, which was originally written by one of our, the late Helen Reddy and Ray Burton. So we, Sort of lifted it up a little bit with, and put on the the at the start of the song, and yeah, I just love the way that it ended up, you know. And it was a, in the day, it was you know an empowering song for women's liberation, of course.
1: Oh, it was anthemic,
5: so, wasn't it? Um, oh yeah, and that that was released in 1971, I think, and my album, and that song was released at the end of May, the same month in 2021.
4: There you, there you go. It's the really killer arrangement in that it's sort of faithful enough to the original, so it's not gonna piss people off. Yeah. But it sort of says you put your own stamp on it and that that sort of get down funky bit. I I kind of really like it, sort of like yeah, yeah it's really good. It's sort of original yeah. without sort of, without sort of, you know, doing a like sort yeah. of punk rock version of yesterday. It's just not gonna work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: That's the funked-up version of I Am A Woman by Lisa Edwards from her album I Am Still The Woman, available on all the uh, Spotify and all the uh, streaming services if you want to grab a copy of that and check it out. Uh, That song and nine other originals, as uh, Lisa pointed out. And she'll be on again on The Next Life of Brian, talking Mm. about playing with the likes and and being involved with the likes of John Farnham, Mm -hmm. Kylie Minogue and Yoko Ono.
2: Oh, very good. Big gig, good. that
1: one was, so we'll yeah. get the uh, get the yeah. ins and outs of that and a whole lot more with Lisa on our next episode of Life of Brian as well as mm. Kim Wilde. Oh, how is this? Now, you talk about the the absolute megastars of the 80s and the names that immediately spring to mind are Brian Mannix Sh- and Shaken Kim Shaken
2: Stevens and Kim Wilde. Brian Mannix and Shaken Stevens. Yeah, and Kim Wilde. Brian Mannix and Kim Wilde. Oh, right. And what a dirty rat you are. With our Kim Wilde interview, you didn't invite me into the thing, so you just did half the interview without me, didn't you?
1: That's not true.
2: You were hogging Kim to yourself. <laughs> That's true.
1: That's absolutely true. No, it be good. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, she was terrific. It's uh, all happening yeah. for Kim. Yeah. It's it's big. It's huge. So, Kim Wilde, Lisa Edwards and more coming up on the next Live for Brian. With thanks to our good friends, obviously, at Mercots. That's uh, Au. Check out the website. You can see what they're up to. Uh, and, of course, 1-300-555-576. Five, seven, six. Uh, have a wonderful grand final week, Brian. Go the oh, bogies. I will go the Are they in it? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't say Donnies. Not go the Donnies. Go, go the, the Donnies. Doggies.
2: Okay, doggies. go the doggies. But best of luck for uh, the grand final,
1: Kev. We'll be good, and uh, we'll talk to you on the next Life of Brian. Dot dot dot. Mannix, that is. See you soon. Bye bye.